Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Inside Story podcast. I'm your host, April Adams Pertwee. And anytime that I get to come in here and open up the the story bank and talk about women's health, I think we should be doing that. You know, many, many of you all know, as you've been tuning in and listening and maybe follow me on social media, there's been some things I've been talking about lately with with women's health and with my own journey around going through menopause and what a total drag it's totally been. And just some of the challenges that I've been navigating with that. And as I reach out and talk to more women, it really doesn't matter what age we're at, right? Like there's always different stages of our journey. And many of you all may even remember an episode that I recorded uh, early on in the podcast on about my journey with RA. So I have rheumatoid arthritis. I have had it since I, I got diagnosed when I was 18 months old. Um, I was diagnosed with juvenile version of rheumatoid arthritis, which supposedly most kids grow out of by the time they hit teenage years. And that was not my case. I still suffer from rheumatoid arthritis. I guess I have the adult version now, but I've always been able to manage it. This is what is surprising to so many people. I've always been able to manage it holistically. I have never, ever taken RA drugs. And let me tell you, I'm really proud of that. Um, that does not mean though, that I live pain free. I live with pain, chronic pain. And my guest today does too. And she's a good friend of mine. She lives here locally with me. She owns a Pilates studio. And that's actually how I first met her is that I went in to this Pilates, Pilates studio because I was navigating some of my pain and I wanted to try new things to try to help my body recover and heal. And so that's exactly how I met my friend, Carissa Floyd, who owns a Pilates studio and is a Pilates instructor, but she's so much more than that. That's a lot, but she does so much more around women's health and women's wellness. And she has something that we're going to talk about today called women's equity. And I don't even really know what it is. This is something that she just kind of shared with me and I said, hold on, we got to talk about this on the podcast. And Carissa has her own journey, her own health journey with chronic pain, which is really just such a dichotomy thinking about here she is being this health expert, this wellness warrior, this Pilates guru, and she's navigating her own serious health challenges. And she's only in her very early thirties. Is that right, Carissa? You're yeah. like, Young, you're young. You're not, you know, like you, there's still like so much to, so much yeah. to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, as I'm here, it sounds great. Oh, so again, it doesn't matter the age. I think these conversations are super important to have. So welcome to the show to my friend Carissa Floyd from Pilates House in New Braunfels, Texas, joining me on the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome. Well, you and I had um, had coffee recently and we, had, we hadn't spoken in a while and we were getting mm-hmm. caught up and you were sharing with me this pretty significant, I, I knew that you, you, you had issues with chronic pain just because the very first time I came into your Pilates studio and I was sharing with you my pain story, you shared even then, you know, similar, a similar story around chronic pain and, you know, issues that you were having. So uh, 
let's just kind of set the stage with what we're kind of just historically speaking, what, what's the background around your own pain journey? Yeah, it's, it's so much. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Trust me. I know everything. I'll go bullet points though. Um, big headlines, right? Uh, but I was born with a genetic disorder called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, my mother had it. We can trace it back through, um, our family lineage to relatives that didn't know they had it, but had a lot of health complications because of it. Um, I was lucky to get diagnosed pretty young because my mom had significant things. And she had two brain aneurysms and then they were like, what is, why, why does this young woman have two brain aneurysms? They did genetic testing. They found Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, And then because it is genetic, all of us got tested. So a lot of people, because it's rare, they don't get diagnosed until their 40s, 50s, and 60s, which is so sad to me. Um, So good and bad, I knew from a young age, this is what was going on. Um, It's a connective tissue disorder, which affects everything, right? So um, at the very basic level, I'm super like hyper flexible, like my joints just slip out. Um, and then they, they dislocate and that's extremely painful, but collagen also affects your skin, the lining of your lungs, the lining of your gut. Um, you're more at risk for autoimmune problems, hypothyroid problems, mast cell problems, POTS, endometriosis. And I have all of those things. So you got it all. <laughs> I just like, okay, yep. If there's a chance, got it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So, um, so it's always been about like, how can I manage this? Um, I've had weird things that me and my siblings did that I thought were really normal. Like we all had, like there's heating pads everywhere throughout our house. Mm-hmm. Someone's always yep. I grew up with a heating pad. Yep. yep. Got all of those. Um, my sister would come home and after school, she would put her legs up against the wall. Yep. So her, the fluid could drain back down because that's the thing with pots, you know, whatever. Um, I used to sit there in bed and hold my arm up and try to get it in a socket in the right way and just let it hang for a while. And like, it just was like a thing I just started doing when I was like eight, you know, to like get my arm in the right spot or, you know, stuff like that, where you kind of start managing things without even knowing what you're doing. And I had no idea that that wasn't normal though, until, because all of us had EDS, um, until really I went to college and I started seeing other people with like a lot of energy being able to like play a sport and not injure themselves and, you know, all of just not be able to eat things and not need a heating pad or be distended for three days or have a rash everywhere, you know, all these things. Um, so I found Pilates because it through trying a million other things. Um, and it was the first time that I felt my muscles work and activate and I mm. felt no joint pain and it was shocking to me that that's just what people feel when they work out. Like they just feel their muscles you know? <laughs> and like nothing is like slipping the different direction. Um, and so for me, Pilates has always been and started as I want to build my own toolbox of how to care for my body. I had no intention of teaching when I took the course. Like it was because I wanted to understand how to care for my body. That is a long-winded answer too. I've been in pain my entire life. Yeah. I mean, you know, for those listening, I think there's going to be some people listening that are going to get this because they also live with chronic pain. There's a lot of different types of disorders and autoimmune diseases, I guess, you know, conditions or whatever, you know, maybe it's Hashimoto's, maybe it's like mine, arthritis, maybe it's, um, um, oh, there's so many, I can't even think of all the names like yours, like what you have. Um, there's, you know, Crohn's there's lupus, there's just so many that don't really have, uh, that you can get a diagnosis, but you can't really get, um, a resolution and even medication in, in many of these cases, as I've learned through rheumatoid arthritis, like it's, that's medication. I do not want to be on. It is. And, and, it, and at the end of the day, it doesn't even really solve the problem. It just helps mitigate some of the issues. And, yeah. uh, you know, I have just come from a school of thought and this is, you know, when and it has a lot to do with the way I was raised and the people that my mom and how she saw the world, um, that it was just better to figure out how to manage the pain holistically than it was to get on the medicine. 
And because the medicine wasn't going to be the solution, the medicine wasn't going to take my arthritis away, my rheumatoid arthritis away. Um, it was going to mitigate, but then I would have the, the side effects of taking the medicine, you know, for, for, for me, like looking at rheumatoid arthritis and looking at medicine, looking at some of the big medicines that are available, there are like, you can't have kids, you know, like you can't get pregnant. There are a lot of like really serious things that would happen, you know, and that was just, again, just a choice that we made. I am in no way saying or shaming anyone that takes medicine. That is not at all what I'm saying. I just know there's people that have chosen different routes if they've gone through a journey of having chronic pain or having some sort of condition like this. For those in the audience that are listening that don't have any of that, like you said, like all these people, they could just go play sports or they could just go work out and like not have pain and not suffer afterwards. It's hard to really describe it other than you know, just imagine having kind of a sore muscle and maybe like a sprained ankle, but having it 24 hours a day, you know, like, I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Do you explain it differently? How would you explain yeah, it? I have a few different things. So like, I still get, um, with all of those issues that I have, I call it a flare up, but it's when one thing eggs something on my histamine's got to control and everything hurts. It's like a, I described it the other day is like, it's like a really bad hangover that gets worse throughout the day, except you had no fun the night before. <laughs> yeah, no fun. <laughs> or like thinking like that feeling when you're like, I think I might have the flu, but you're not mm-hmm. sure yet. But you just like everything aches, your temperature's a little bit up and down, you're puffy, you don't want to eat, but you want to eat. But like every, it's just, it's hard to think. Like you're not going to be doing emails when you have the flu, probably, right? Like you're right. just foggy and. Um, and then for me, I also say like my joints feel like, like a jellyfish and then also like cement. Like if a jellyfish had cement <laughs> tentacles yeah. or whatever, it's like that hard to move through the world. Like it feels like I'm moving these like jelly cement things. And so, yeah, that's for me what a flare up feels like. But if you had like, say that sprained ankle, but you never quite knew what was going to make it worse whether maybe a certain type of shoe wouldn't feel better, but maybe one day it feels okay. But then the next day that shoe made, made the pain go up to your knee, or then maybe you eat a nightshade, God forbid, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> your food, and your, your ankle all of a sudden is swollen three times the size and you can't wear your normal pants. Or like if, you, if who knows what it was, if driving is going to be the thing that sets it off. And so I think that's the, the exhausting part about chronic pain that people don't understand who don't have it is like, even when I'm okay, uh, there's so much in the background that you're like, okay, how do I make sure that I keep this at bay? And I try to get ahead of this and not flare this up. And then when I do have a flare up, I'm trying to do all these things to get out of it as quick as I can. And it's like a full-time job to just like manage your pain. And it's mentally exhausting. And so if you just never knew what was going to set your ankle off, you might move around in the world a little different. Like you might not take the same risks. You might be more hesitant to travel. You might not go to all the events that you go to now or the same friendship commitments all the time. Like you just, you have no idea. And so that's kind of the thing with chronic pain is like, we just, we don't know how we're going to feel tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Every day is different. Every day is different. And, and the same things like, you know, like nightshades, that's kind of a known thing, like food that a lot of people with chronic illnesses stay away from, but there are times when you like, you eat one, you're like, Oh, that was okay. And so then you think you can eat it again and then you eat it again and you're wrong. You know, like every day is so different. Every day is so, so different. It's so true. Um, so when we met for coffee, Mm -hmm. Just a, just a little while ago, yeah. you shared with me a whole nother layer of your yeah. story that is just like, you know, this is, I think the, the importance of, of you sharing all of this today is just that the number one, the links that people need to go to sometimes to get answers because yeah. you, you had to really go through the ropes to get the right answers. And I, the lesson that I took away and I want you to share with the audience is the importance of listening to your body and being your own body advocate, right? And this yeah. is something I 
have to do all the time with myself. Like I will try different practitioners. I will try different things. And at the end of the day, while it may be the greatest thing for some people, if it doesn't, if it's not working, I need to listen to that. Or if I'm getting advice that I don't agree with, like right now, because I'm going through menopause, I'm, oh my gosh, all this stuff with trying to balance your hormones. And there's so much advice around there because yeah. some of that advice actually does work for some women, exactly. but I've received advice and suggestions from doctors and homeopathic people and functional medicine people and all the things. And it's still up to me to figure it out, right? They are not the boss of my body. I am the boss of my body. <laughs> well, yeah. actually- body is a boss of me, but I'm the one trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah, yeah. So share a little nutshell around even this, um, this current, this most recent journey that you've yeah. been going on through your, your endocrine system. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis a few years ago. Well, my diagnosis is a hard word my, it, cause they can't diagnose it unless they see it. And the only way to see it usually is with surgery. Um, but my doctor here in 2020, we moved to new brothels, got a new doctor here. And he was like, have you ever heard of endometriosis? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but like everybody says, I'm fine. You know, I can, and I can trace my symptoms back at least nine years ago, right after I had my son, maybe even earlier. Um, and every, everywhere I went, the, the conversation was, well, you're just a young mom and you're tired. You just had a baby, so you have pelvic pain. Um, you're just constipated. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. That just hurts. Um, sex just hurts. Sorry, and like, when you've been like, someone that lives with chronic pain, you're like, okay, that's just the latest and greatest literally. thing that I've got to deal with. Right. You kind of easily yes. just chalk it you're up. Like, oh, this part is something normal, I guess. This is just what people deal with. They're just this tired. They just can't function. They just this, whatever. And you're like, okay, just another thing. And maybe I'm being a baby about it. I don't, and I don't know what other people have experienced, but I have experienced so many medical professionals who maybe give me a little nugget of information and the rest of it is a lot of dismissal. And so you're left feeling crazy. Like, oh, all of this is just my thyroid. Well, like I took thyroid meds and I feel a lot better, but like, I still have all these other things. Like, so I guess it's just me. I guess I'm just a wimp. I just, I can't handle it, you know, whatever. And so that was like, started with all of these little things building up where I'm like, okay, my thyroid, I got psoriasis on my eyelids, my autoimmune markers came back. Everything started freaking out at once, getting really crazy. And then finally I get this, Hey, have you heard of endo? And I was like, yeah, but they just, you know, my doctor just said I was tired or I need to take more naps. And I was working a business and I had a kid and, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, but then he puts me on birth control, which didn't help anything. Um, that doesn't take endo away for some people. They can alleviate some symptoms. Um, unfortunately the endo can still grow and it's still there and it needs to be taken out usually. Um, so we went through multiple rounds of that. I didn't feel good. Finally, I sought out surgery on my own. I sought out a surgeon who was supposed to be like top of the field. I did all of this research. Okay. I go to his office. Yes, you have endo. We need to get it out. All this stuff. I get, I get the endo out. Um, my surgery was horrific in a lot of ways, but my, my, what should have been a like post, um, what do you call it? Not post-op. Um, when you're in the hospital, outpatient, which should have been like a very simple, like outpatient thing. I was out of commission for at least a month. Like I couldn't move my right rib. I had to buy a bidet because I couldn't turn to like go to the bathroom, <laughs> like all of these things. Um, my recovery was awful. And then months later, all of my endo pain came back with a vengeance, um, way worse than it ever was before I had surgery. Um, I was just out of commission. I was canceling sessions left and right. I got to the point where I was only doing virtual sessions in bed and half of those I would cancel. Um, I was nauseous. It was, I just felt awful all the time. And finally I, I talked to my friend and I was like, Hey, I think my next step is a hysterectomy. And she was like, before you do that, like, let's go to this surgeon in New York. My sister had surgery with him. He was able to get all the endo out and she didn't need her uterus removed. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I thought it was crazy. I'm like, who just goes to New York to get surgery? That's impossible, you know, whatever. But also I was so desperate. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. You'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. you'll do anything. So just do anything to get out of pain. And I went and I thought for sure he was going to say, hey, this is, you're fine. Like, and your endo's not back. This is just 
period pain or whatever. I just convinced myself it's not back. It's just something, you know, I just can't deal with it anymore. And he found endo everywhere. My organs had adhered to each other from the scar tissue from my first surgery. It had been spread. My uterus was like twisted and retrovert, all kinds of, nothing was where it should be. Um, And he was like, that alone will cause a lot of pain. And then there's endo. And so I had a consult with him on a Monday. I had a surgery on a Thursday. I woke up from that surgery, night and day difference from my first surgery. I immediately felt relief in my abdomen. I kept bracing it, thinking I needed to hold it. And then I would let go and there wouldn't be pain. And I was like, I've been walking around doing that because I'm used to having to hold my abdomen to like keep just brace for pain. And when I woke up from surgery, I didn't have to do that. I felt better after surgery than I had felt in like a year. <laughs> it's wow. like waking up. I went on a walk the next day. Like my recovery was like two weeks. And then after a month, I was like, really good to go. And now every month passed, I'm like, I feel better than I did last month. My energy is better. My cycle is less bad. Like everything is better. Every month I think, oh, this is how people feel. And then the next month I gets better. And I'm like, is this, mm. what's the tipping point of the, like, this is amazing, you know? And now that all the disease is out of my body, every, like it's healing and it's feeling better. And it's like, it was there for a long time and it's going to take some time, but all my organs are in the right spot, which feels great. (laughs) Yeah. Just getting them in the right place, you know? And listen, I do not know that type of pain. Well, okay. I do know that type of pain. I do not know that particular experience because I, I don't have endometriosis and I haven't had my I haven't had that particular experience. However, yeah. 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 I will tell you, I can empathize because when I had my first child, I don't know if I've ever told you the story and I don't know if I don't think I've ever told the audience this story. So here's, here's a new one. When I had my first child, my son, Dallas, um, I had to have a C-section and we were having, the doctor was having an issue. It was not a planned C-section. I was on an epidural we were trying to induce my labor. I was six days overdue. The kid was super big. He needed to come out. Um, and when I started getting on the epidural, the heart rate of the baby started to drop. And so I needed to have a C-section. And it was one of those situations where like, Hey, we got to go and we got to go now. So they get me in for the C-section and, um, the, the issue with my epidural, there was an issue with my epidural. I won't go into it, but there was an issue with my epidural. And so then she brings the anesthesiologist in to try to get me numb so that they can do the C- C-section. And then the anesthesia was not working. So he kept trying to give me anesthesia and the doctor's like, I got to go now. And he's like, she's not ready. And she's like, this baby's got to come out. And so I had a C-section without really good anesthesia. And I felt a lot, I felt everything. I felt everything. So little known fact, Oh my God! I have that when you have a C-section, they literally remove your organs, some of your organs, your uterus, and they put it on a little, a little silver table, a little medical table right next to the bed where you are so that they can get to the baby. And again, this is very, this is just from my perspective. And this is not a, do, you know, a doctor talking because I'm sure a doctor would tell me I'm, I'm describing it all wrong, but listen, <laughs> this is all you need to know. This is what you need to know. They removed an organ from my body and put it on a little table. And my husband's sitting there watching the whole thing happen. They get the baby out and I'm feeling everything, but I am just like, at that point, this is when I knew my pain tolerance was really high. And I think honestly, living with chronic pain was a gift at that point, because most people, I don't think would have gone through what I got through the way I got through it, but my pain tolerance was so high and she gets the baby out. Unfortunately, there was some distress with the baby. So there's a lot of people over there whisking the baby away. And she comes up to me and she literally gets in my face and she's like, okay, April, you're doing great. I need 30 more seconds because I got to get your uterus back in your body and it's going to hurt. Cause she knew by then I was feeling everything. And when your organs are out of place, yeah, it hurts. And so she had to put the uterus back in my body and sew me up. And that was pain that I have never felt before. Like it was indescribable and I'm just, she was right. It was about 30 seconds and she was quick and she got it in and out. Um, but you know, I still have, I have a tremendous 
amount of scar tissue today in my abdomen and down in my lower section where my scar is. Um, that is such a drag because, you know, it really, it, it's not, it's not what you want your stomach to look like, but you know, it is what it is, but I can really appreciate, um, and for those of you that don't know, there's a little description of like what it can feel like when your, your organs are out of place, which is just crazy. It's just exactly. insane. I can't even imagine, you know, exactly. you living like that every day, having that pain. I can't believe you went through that. So <laughs> I can't either. Honestly, like, you know, obviously that was like so long ago, my son is yeah. 17, but yeah, I mean, every time I tell that story, I'm like, yeah, that really did happen. I mean, this is not made up in my mind. Like it really happened and it was kind of, it was wild, but, uh, you know, I survived. I don't know how, but I did, but for you, like going through this experience, um, and again, what I have found so interesting about all of this is that, you know, you, you are working with other clients. You are like this wellness professional. You're, you're a Pilates instructor. You study the body and you've gotten really into all the things that you help your clients with. What has your own journey through chronic pain and also major illness and surgery and recovery and like being taken out of the game for a while? What has it taught you about, you know, how has it made you a better leader and business owner and guide and coach in, in with your Pilates clients? Yeah. It, I mean, I don't think there's any way you can have all this, like, all of that or go through these really life-changing experiences and it not impact you. You know, um, it has changed everything from the way I show up to the level that I use my voice at, to how I teach, where I sit or stand when I teach. Um, but more so like this space in particular, I'm just more so clear more than ever on its purpose, which is that this, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get emotional, but this is the space that I never had. Um, I never had a safe space with chronic illness and chronic pain to come in and say, hey, I'm really low energy today. I slept weird. My right shoulder might be out of its socket. I'm not sure. My left lower back is tight. Like maybe I need to move. Maybe I don't. Like I'm just like, I need to try something. And, but I don't want to be wiped out tomorrow and have somebody be like, I get it. Let's try this how does this sound and have a conversation with me about it instead of, you know, I constantly felt like I couldn't fit into the programs that existed in wellness and in fitness and specifically for women. Like I tried a weightlifting program and halfway through I plateaued really bad because I was able to increase my weights, but the weight increase made my joints hurt really bad. And so then I felt like, wow, I can't do this. And that's how I felt with every single thing that I tried. I can't do this. I must not be able to move my body. I must not be athletic. I must like, I guess I just can't. And the truth is there are so many ways to care for your body that just are sometimes outside of the spaces that are provided to us. And so it is so important to me that people come here knowing um, that I, I am chronic pain aware. I don't know exactly what you're going through, but everything starts with the premise of I know what it's like to feel disconnected in my own body. And mm -hmm. I want you to feel connected. We start sitting on this couch that I'm sitting on. And I ask how you're feeling, how your day has been, where, how your body feels right now, what you think your body needs. Cause you know what you think your body doesn't need. What kind of pace you want to go at? Is there something that's really important for you to work on today? How do you want to feel when you leave? These aren't questions we get at the gym or in a big group class, and those have their own spots. But for people that have chronic pain, there's, it can be such a terrifying thing to go in somewhere and think this could make it worse. Mm -hmm. And in my experience with this approach is that when we start with this person is the expert of their body, we literally do the opposite of everything that has happened to them medically. Like they don't need to come to me as the expert. I'm here to help them connect with themselves. They don't need to ask me if something's right. They know if it's right. If it feels good, it's right. If it doesn't, it's not, <laughs> like, you know? And I don't care if that looks like the textbook or not. Like, we're going to figure it out for you. This is a, we completely partner together in finding solutions for people to feel well. 
and to feel like they can do things and to feel accomplished and to feel like they can care for their body. And it's just, it is the spot that I never had. And so for me, um, I do think I have been tiptoeing the line of like, how much of this do I share, especially on social media and stuff. I never want to come across as like having a victim mentality or using Mm -hmm. it as a space to like vent all about my problems. But what I'm also learning is that, you know, I am young and I look like I'm young and fine and healthy. And, and that is not always what draws people with chronic pain to somebody. Sometimes I think, oh, like I'll have people make a comment like, oh, well, you'll find out when you're older, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I really, <laughs> I think I understand it more than you think, yeah. you know? And, and so the more that I share with people, like when I shared with you and, and I kind of, it's more case by case too. Like usually people come in, they tell me, hey, I'm here because of this. And then I can be like, yeah. hey, like, I understand, like to a degree, you know? Um, I find that they're immediately put at ease. They know that I'm not going to push them too hard or put them into a program just because the program says to do 12 reps. Like we're Mm -hmm. not going to do that. Right. Like we're going to make something just for you. And, and I, I don't know, I, now I'm at a spot where most of my clients have chronic pain and chronic illness and they're 50 plus. And I have two clients now that have EDS, which is crazy. Um, like I've, rarely ever meet other people that have my same genetic things and and I'm able to give them tools that I had taken years to learn for myself and and care for my body and so um being able to like support that demographic has been it's just so fulfilling it's it's amazing but yeah yeah, it has it impacts the way that I expect other people to move it impacts the experience that I offer and it impacts the way that I talk to people like everywhere. So you have this term that you're using and that you're talking about called wellness equity. And I think I heard a little bit of that in there because to me, as you were describing that, I'm like, oh, is that what wellness equity is? Is that it's this partnership between yourself, the person who has the body that might be in pain or in need of something and the provider or the expert or the guru or the doctor or the coach or the fitness trainer or the whatever, right? Right. The nutritionist, the holistic person, the functional medicine person, whoever, that there has to be some sort of communication back and forth and uh, quite honestly, storytelling. Absolutely. So much. The more somebody tells me about their story, that's one of the first questions I ask. I do like virtual consults first. And one of the first questions I ask is like, hey, like tell me about your movement journey so far. And and that usually goes back a lot. All of a sudden they're like, oh, and then they start talking about when they were 12 and they were in sports and I really loved it. And then something happened and now they don't want to hurt themselves. It's a whole thing. And, and the more that I learn from their story, the more I can support them, which is amazing. But back to like the wellness equity part, I feel like, especially as women, there are systems that have been set up and we try to enter these systems with certain expectations. And often what happens is like, okay, I'm going to sign, kind of like I said, like I'm going to sign up for this 12 week program and I get halfway through and I don't feel like I've built any equity for myself. I don't feel like I've learned tools to take care of my body. I haven't learned this new skill. I haven't felt really proud of myself or really accomplished. I have felt beaten down, injured, discouraged, like I don't belong, incapable, like I can't do it. And so not only am I not building myself up in those scenarios, I'm literally depleting myself, like with these awful stories that aren't true. Like I can't, I won't, I can never, it's not for me, I don't belong. And I have felt that in so many different wellness areas, whether it's crazy diets, or the new latest fitness trend, um, or all kinds of things. And so I see us step into these places with the expectation that we're going to get these, the goal of X, Y, Z. And the goal might be, I don't know, a lower body fat percentage, or to be able to do 10 push-ups, or, you know, something like this goal. And then in the process, we're like taking away from our tools. And, and I don't think that's ever worth the trade for 12 push-ups like it's just not worth it there's other ways to get there if you start with if you flip it though and you say 
how can I build my toolbox for my back pain? I always have back pain. How can I build my toolbox for my back pain? Maybe instead of doing some crazy big thing, it's like you go to a really specialized person and who teaches you at home exercises that you could be doing and you start doing some of those. And now you know, hey, when my back feels like this, I can do this. Part, most of Pilates for me is like, I compare it to like a, the back of a manual of like when you get a new router or something and it's not going well and you go to the back and it's like troubleshooting. And it's like, if this, then that, but if that, then this, right? And it's like, <laughs> that's what Pilates is for me. Like, oh, my joints here. Okay. Then this, if this hurts, then this, if this needs to move, then this. And a lot of people don't have those tools for themselves. I have people that have been going to the gym their whole life and they don't have those tools for themselves because they depend on somebody else to tell them what to do. So it's a fancy game of Simon Says. They're like, oh, you're the expert. I'm not. You know what I need. I don't. You're telling me I need to do these things. Maybe I can. I don't know. And then you go about your day. It's not life-changing. <laughs> you might be able to do 12 push-ups, and that's phenomenal. And you might like the way your biceps look. And there's nothing wrong with that scenario. But there is something wrong with it if it's taking away from your wellness equity, like a bank. That's how I view it. It's this bank of wellness things to care for yourself. And if if that if those things take away from that, that's a problem. And there are so many ways that we can build it. But I just see women get trapped in these cycles of, well, in order to be well, I'm gonna go here. And then they're actually just depleting themselves so much. And what I find most of my clients are 50 and up. And it's really, it's a beautiful spot to be able to support them in, but it always, there's a moment that always gets really sad for me. And that's between their fifth and seventh session, when they realize that they can change how their body feels, they realize I can say, Hey, tell your shoulder to chill out. And they do this. And then they're like, Oh, it doesn't have to be in pain. It doesn't have to be hiked up. They realize that they can change it. And I watch them go through almost like the stages of grief. They get excited about it first. And then they're like, oh, but, oh. And then they're like, but why didn't nobody ever tell me? Like, yeah, I could have been doing that all I, along. Yeah, yeah, how did I not know? How, why don't they teach this in gym class? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, because you weren't given tools. You weren't given, you weren't given anything that you can use to build yourself and build on further. Just like wealth. Like you, you have wealth and you learn how to build it. Hopefully, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's the goal with it if you're gonna build it you need tools to build it you can have it and then just spend it on things but like it's never gonna grow and so it's like how do we grow this I think we're all born with this connection to ourselves and then things chip away at it over time and some mm -hmm. of us no, for sure spots than others you know but but I think we're all born pretty much being really like connected like it's crazy we watch babies like they figure stuff out you know and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, but I need somebody to tell me how to, how many bicep curls to do. Like, what is the disconnect? How, when did we get here? You know? And, and so for me, I'm like, okay, we're just spending a lot of time putting that, that in between the like, okay, I'm connected and I have a goal in somebody else's hands. And a lot of times it just takes our resources instead of giving us tools to grow our own. Well, you said yeah. it earlier too, like you've gotten, as you've gone through your own personal experiences and your challenges with your health, that you have learned to get much stronger in your voice. And, you know, this is something that I'm always talking to with my clients, certainly around storytelling and visibility and getting themselves mm -hmm. out there with that story. The same is true with what you're saying about, you know, having, being an advocate for ourselves and, and having a voice with our bodies and with our wellness and learning to use it. And, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, I think someone like myself and you who have lived with chronic pain and some sort of, some sort of issue, right? Some yeah. call it a disorder, some call it a disability, some call it whatever you want to label it. I don't care, but it's an issue that you're, you're, you're dealing with in an ongoing basis because you've had to deal with that you had to get really good at listening to your body. I know this is what, how I feel about it. I've had to get really good at listening to my body and I've gotten really good at, you know, discerning what I can and can't really like what I choose to do. I don't want to say what I can and cannot do, but just honestly, what I choose to do now. Um, and that has, that, that 
requires kind of constant evaluation because the things that I am choosing to do now in the, the age that I'm at and the stage that I'm at and going through changes in my body currently look different than things that I chose to do even even five years ago and, and definitely different than it was when I was in high school or college or whatever, right? Um, but it's learning to use that voice. It's getting stronger with your voice and speaking up for yourself and saying, you know, I think just you having this conversation and, and bringing it into the light that we've probably all had experiences where whether it was the gym or the doctor or whoever, where we've gone in and realized that we didn't come out any wiser or more knowledgeable or more yes. empowered. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that is not equity. That is it's not equity. It's not. And I feel like for some reason, it's like, you know, the answers that I was given, some, I'm sure you've had experiences like that. It, it just, it does the opposite. I don't know what it is, but it's like, oh, it's fine. They're just tired. They're just this, they're, they can handle it. And like, we can, but like, we're not thriving over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. We can handle it, but listen, we've like, also handled a lot of other things and it's just not, it, we're tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're tired. yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know when, when I get to have conversations like this, that shed light on that and are like, Hey, like there are ways to like flip the script and be your own advocate. And whether it's being your own advocate in a doctor's appointment or in a gym class, or in a movement situation, or with a dietitian, whatever it is, in a relationship, like, it's just so huge. One of the takeaways that I always have when, so my teaching style is very conversational, like, I'm asking a lot of questions, yeah. and people aren't always used to that, like, I start, and I, I have, I now have to preface, because I realize that when I'm not talking, and I'm just letting somebody move, they're wondering, wait, am I doing it right? Am I breathing? Am I going fast enough? Is this too slow? Is that what she wants? And, and now I verbalize those things and I preface it and like, Hey, if I'm not talking, you're doing a really great job. I'm just going to let you, um, if, if you have a, if you are wondering, am I going too fast, too slow? Like it's perfect. If it feels good, like go for it. And creating the space for people to learn to have this dialogue and check-ins with themselves is completely different than anything I've ever experienced. I've never gone into a fitness situation other than like with my own personal mentor recently, um, where it's like, hey, how does that feel? And I'm like, I don't know, is it right? And they're like, what would make you feel better? And then I try something and they're like, okay, cool. You know, I've never had that where it's it's that. It's like, I'm not trying to be right about it or Pilates about it or make it look like the manual or, you know, I don't know do X, Y, Z, like I'm just trying to move my body and feel good. And, and it, and it breeds what, what most of my clients come back saying is, oh my gosh, I went golfing and I thought about that. My shoulder felt weird. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, I just need to do this thing. I X, Y, Z. And then I can get out of pain. And then I was able to golf and I had my best golf game. And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. You learned something, you learned, you learned a skill to get out of pain. You learned a skill to be more efficient with your body, but you also learned to listen to your body. And even having these moments of conversational cueing versus like, okay, an eight, seven, six, five, you know, that doesn't teach us to check in and see what's going on. Um, anyways, I just rambled a lot. I'm so sorry. No, it's, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, that the key here is that we, we spend so much time and energy, you know going after here, going after there, going after all the things that we want in our lives. And, oh, that's great. Like I, you yeah. know, I want those things too. But if at the end of the day, we're not actually connected to who we are and connected to our physical body and our emotional well-being and just the pain or no pain, or just paying attention to what our body is actually saying to us, then we're missing a whole lot of probably joy. <laughs> we're missing a lot of opportunities. We're missing out on just so many things because I know when, you know, the key is when I feel my best, I do my best, right? I mean, end of the day, yes. if I feel good, then I can go out and serve the world. I can go out and do things that are fun. I can go meet with friends and have coffee and, or, you know, meet somebody new, or I can go speak on a stage. I can go do things that allow me to to be at my highest level and 
and, and serve other people, myself and other people at my highest level. When I do not feel well, and I do have those days, um, you know, I, I have to tend to that. I have to take care of that. I have to, um, do the things. And I have a lot of, you have, you have helped so much when I was coming to you and doing Pilates, you've given me tools that I still use today. I have had other practitioners over the years that have like armed me with so much. And like, literally one of the things that is my go-to, no matter what, this solves all my problems. I swear it does. And I even have a a sign that in my bathroom that says, uh, um, oh gosh, what does it say? It says, um, um, a bad day can be solved by a bath day or something like that. (laughs) I take a hot Epsom salt bath almost every night of my life. I mean, five nights out of the week, at least sometimes seven, if it's a really good week, Um, (laughs) but I take a hot bath with Epsom salts or mineral salts, you know, just good magnesium. And I get that magnesium in my body over the weekend. Um, we have Memorial day weekend. We had a bunch of people here and I did not eat very great. You know, I was enjoying food that we don't, you you know, you know how it goes. And so I knew, I knew I was going to pay for it. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and I knew, and (laughs) we came home from being at my, my, my sisters and my brother-in-laws and he had cooked out and just, you know, I ate foods that I don't normally eat. And I just, in the car on the way home, I was like, the one and only thing I have to go do when I get home is I have to get into my bath. I have to get that magnesium in my body. It will make me feel better. That is a tool that I use. And, you know, even when I'm traveling, I pack up my salts and I'm the weirdo that actually takes a bath in hotel <laughs> bathrooms. I am the, I am the girl because, you know, like I got to get it in. But it's those tools. Like we have to listen to our body. We have to listen to our yes. body. And yeah. I think that there are a lot of women who are running around and you see it every day, even in their fifties, sixties and seventies. Yes. They haven't figured it out. And yeah. yes, you know, your 31 year old self can be the person that teaches them. I mean, it doesn't matter because you've walked the walk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you yeah. do get it. And you're so compassionate and you really are providing a space and a conversation that most yeah. healthcare providers and fitness providers and, and even nutritionists are not doing. So I applaud you. I think it's amazing. And I, I love this concept of wellness equity. I think, okay, can I give you a challenge? <laughs> yes, yes, please. Absolutely. You're, you're probably going to want to go tell me when I say this, but I really do. I I'm being honest. I okay. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling the intuitive nudge cool. to say this to you. So I'm going to say it. Sure. Awesome. This concept around wellness equity is a Ted talk. And I really think you should be out there more sharing your story and your voice. Of course, I'm going to say that. And that sounds like very, you know, egregious coming from me, but no, seriously, I can see you really getting this conversation out to more people and they need it. And this is something like a Ted would be really interested in because it's an idea worth sharing, right? So I'm just planting the seed, just go be your awesome self. But honestly, this is something, you know, that I've been around in this space for a long time because of my personal needs. And I haven't ever heard anyone talk about, so you're feeling a gap. You're totally being a disruptor and filling a void that so many women, when they hear this episode, they're going to know exactly what you're talking about. You know? Gosh, I'm so glad it resonated. It's like this little thing that's been in my head and like I've tested it out on some social posts, which is when you commented, you're like, that. yes, that's exactly how we booked that. this podcast because I'm like, okay, I'll give you a platform to talk about it. Want to come talk? And you're like, okay. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad it resonated with you. I hope it resonates for, with other people. Um, and just having the space to like share and honestly, like it's very validating for me to like go back through my story in that way. And like clean things. Like I don't like to, I don't talk about my illness stuff very often. And so Mm -hmm. it'd just be like, yeah, I have this and this is how it impacts me. And it's actually fine. Like, and these are the good things from it too. Because you're using, you're using that story now to propel you forward and to do different, to be different, to be better, to do better and to serve your clients at a much higher level because you actually get it. And the reason why you get it is because you've walked through that story. That's it. Yeah. So 
It's Good. beautiful. And I'm so proud of you. And I love it. And I love all the things that you shared today. And I know that, you know, the inside story listeners and the light beamers that are out there are going to love it too. So, um, we're telling, I mean, you hang out primarily on Instagram. I know. So you, you are at, we are Pilates house on Instagram, which house is H A U S because we are in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's a very German town. And so we have a lot of German names here. So, um, anyway, but you, you do serve clients, you know, outside of the Texas area, you are such a wealth of knowledge and I encourage, I will link up your channel so everybody can, can connect with you and encourage you and get information from you and maybe do some Pilates with you and come to you for their chronic pain needs as well. Love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for sharing your ideas, you know, your idea worth sharing, which is (laughs) all around wellness equity and the importance of paying attention to our bodies and using our voice this way. I loved it. All right, everybody, that concludes this episode of the Inside Story podcast. Go over to Instagram right now, right now, before you before you get off your phone and go to Instagram and look up We Are Pilates House, H-A-U-S, okay? And follow Carissa and give her a DM. Go say hello to her and tell her you listen to this show and ask her your questions, okay? Ask her your questions. That's where she is and while you're there, hit me up at Light Beamers and say hello to me too. I always love talking to you guys and knowing that you listen to the show and that there was something in this episode that resonated with you. If you like more of these types of women's health issues stories, let me know. I'd love to bring more of them to you. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Inside Story Podcast. Share this episode out, give it a review, give us some love, and I'll talk to you soon. Have a great week, everybody. Go share your story. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.